This is The Reality. Hello to you. Welcome to The Reality. My name's Dudley Anderson. So good to be with you. Today on The Reality, we have an NDE story or a near-death experience. A successful airline pilot and businessman who was far from God died and had a vision of heaven and hell. Jim Woodford lay in a hospital bed, clinically dead for more than 11 hours, while his consciousness was transported to the wonders of heaven and the horrors of hell. Dudley, I'm standing on the most incredibly beautiful green grass I have ever seen. And as I looked at this beautiful vista, I turned my head just slightly to the left, and then the strangest thing occurred. It was as though a line had been drawn directly in front of my vision, and the vista changed dramatically. It went from beautiful green grass to scorched black, and coming through those doors was the most hideous creature you can imagine. We speak with Jim Woodford today via Zoom. Well, it's my pleasure today to have on Zoom Jim Woodford. And Jim, we're going to be talking about your experience in heaven. You had what is called an NDE or near-death experience. My goodness. How did that happen? Well, uh, first of all, Dudley, thank you for having me. And and, uh, hello to your listeners from Canada. Uh, where I'm located. Every day, Dudley, I ask myself, why me? Because I was the poster child for someone that didn't follow anything related to Christianity. I got into aviation at a young age, became a commercial airline pilot, or bush pilot, I should say, mm. at, uh, at the tender age of 18 in 1967. And um, I'm 75 years old now. And... Uh, I, you know, and I, that was my main focus. And pilots are terribly technical people. And if I can't find an owner's manual, then I don't believe the science behind it. <laughs> and I'm sad to say that uh, although I had a good upbringing and a wonderful uh, Christian family, yeah. like so many of us, I got distracted by life. Yeah. And then I guess um, I got the ultimate wake up call. I, uh, came down with a, I won't say a rare disease, but it's not common. It's called Guillain-Barre, oh. and it is the uh, eradication of the, of the myelin sheath on your brainstem. Oh, and there were complications, and I went from a guy that flew jets and water skied and jumped horses and, and raced jaguars to <laughs> a guy, to someone that couldn't, couldn't care for myself. So... I had the ultimate wake-up call. There were complications, and from those complications, I was declared um, deceased. My goodness. And my book is called uh, Heaven, An Unexpected Journey. Mm -hmm. In that passage of time, uh, when there was absolutely no brain sign on two screens that the neurologist had me connected to, of course, out of here in Canada, you know, everyone is triaged when they're brought in. I died in my truck. And uh, so the 11 hours comes from the documented time that I can prove. So that's from the time that they, I, I disappeared to the time they, the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police found me hmm. by triangulating 
a uh, my cell phone. I was in my truck on one of my properties. Excuse me, excuse me, Jim. May I just stop you there for a minute? Um, I just want to to to, to get to to conceptualise this. You were in your truck, and uh, I assume your heart di- your heart stopped, and and you died. Uh, you were taken into hospital. You were declared dead. They had you on the on the machines, and there was no activity in your brain. Um, at that very moment when this was happening, when you were actually in that state, um, did you did you, were you did you have a consciousness? Did you did you know where you were? Uh, you know, you had an experience after death. Was there a consciousness of where you were at that moment? Absolutely. And to give you a, a visual reference, um, I drove up in that field that night. It was late afternoon, uh, early evening. I was facing the setting sun, and I was in that field with the attempt of trying to, uh, I had put it up for sale. It was a large piece of property. It was in a re- not a remote area. It was part of our, our horse ranch. Mm. And, uh, and I was feeling very sick. Um, I didn't uh, drive much, so I was on backcountry roads. But I stopped facing the setting sun, and and uh, as I'm sitting there, I, I, I took more medication. And of course, people always say, "Well, this was what happened." The fact is that uh, with the screens today, they can tell if you're hallucinating, dreaming, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was completely flatlined. So I saw this. Uh, I'm looking at the sun, and I'm thinking how how beautiful it is and it's setting and little did i know that the sun was setting on the day but it was also setting on my life Mm. and suddenly um and i'd been on medication for some months and uh, but the disease had progressed to the point where i was almost paralyzed and uh, would have days of fairly good days and days that were terrible so um suddenly my lungs begin to seize and this is typical of Guillain-Barre the paralysis of the lungs Mm. and to put it into a term that's easy to understand I was kept raising my head as as I was trying to hold it above water Mm. to prevent to to try to get a breath of air and then suddenly from somewhere deep inside me Dudley someplace I had not been in a long time Mm. um, I had this tremendous feeling of remorse it wasn't fear i had faced fear a number of times as pilot never flinched but i had this overwhelming feeling that i hadn't thanked the creator or believed in him for the good life i had had and i remember raising my right hand to the setting sun and it was trembling uh, shaking and i called out what i th- i believe were the first of six words that allow me to speak with you and your listeners today. Mm. And those six, the first three of those six words, with my hand trembling toward the sun, I cried out, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Then I fell forward, and I remember a tremendous um, hit, a tremendous hit with my head on the steering wheel. And I'm gone. My goodness. I, the next recollection was I remember sitting back up and looking out, and I knew time had passed, Dudley, because now the sun was on the horizon. And I suddenly became aware I have no pain. Hmm. The pain that had plagued my life for four years that had 
consumed my every waking moment, pain throughout my entire body as the myelin sheath on my brainstem deteriorated. And everything from that was pain. Mm. And it was gone. The pain was gone. And, and I, I simply couldn't believe it. And I slid out of my truck. I walk about 15 feet away in absolute amazement because the, I, I, I'd given up. I, I thought the rest of my life would be a wheelchair. Oh, excuse or, me, excuse or, me, excuse me, Jim. So actually, you weren't physically getting out of your truck. This was, uh, this was the experience in the spirit, right? That's right. Yeah. But, but the, the fact is, I slid out of the truck without opening the door. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, yeah. Rather, conven- rather convenient when you yes. think about it. <laughs> and then- but uh, I slid out of the truck. I walk about 15 feet away. I look at the setting sun, and I can't, I have forgotten what it felt like to feel well. And I'm overwhelmed, and I'm just stunned by what has happened. I look down, and I realize I can see the ground through my feet. And I turn and look back at the truck, and I'm filled with rage and anger because someone is sitting in my truck. <laughs> Not only that, he's sleeping on the steering wheel. <laughs> so I turn in my uh, in my indignation yes. to move over there and ex- ask for an explanation or give him something a little more emphatic. <laughs> And have you ever had a dream, and I'm sure some of your listeners will relate to this, where you 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 want to move, but your feet won't move? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and I could just move in inches, but eventually I got close enough. And the moment that I realized, Dudley, that the man in the truck was no stranger, the man leaning over the steering wheel was me. Now, my nickname as a pilot was Diamond Jim. Whether it was an engine engine failure, mechanical difficulty, or whatever, I always seemed to overcome it uh-huh. and safely get to her destination. Wow. And and I'd been blessed with that ability, and 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 I I I just was, you know, good at at analyzing and making the right corrections. But this was something I couldn't correct. But I, as I'm standing there, that part of my, of my psyche came through. You know, I can fix this. All I have to do is get back in that truck, somehow get back in my body, and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Not this time. Mm-hmm. Not this time. And suddenly, and this is where the journey really starts, Studley, I begin to rise. And as a pilot, I'm a good judge of altitude. Mm-hmm. And, and when I'm about 12, 1,500 feet above the truck, I'm floating slowly backwards. I can look down through the back window of the, of the vehicle and see my body slumped over over the, the steering wheel. And then, for some reason, I tilted my head back and looked up. And then, instantly, this beautiful golden circle, like a giant golden wedding ring, appeared in the sky about 60 feet in diameter, the center filled with gold and then swung inward, um, although I didn't see any visible hinges or anything, but it was, you know, 60 feet in diameter. And I had a glimpse into this tunnel. And, I mean, unless you've lived under a rock in a cave, I think everyone on Earth has pretty much heard of the tunnel of light. Mm -hmm. And this was what I was seeing. 
Mm-hmm. I never paid any attention to these ravings about people seeing golden tunnels. <laughs> mm-hmm. But here I am, and 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 my body suspended in midair, and suddenly my body uh, cants backward to a forty-five degree angle. I have, I don't, I love flying, but I like to have an aircraft under me, and here I am suspended <laughs> in the air at a 45 degree angle and suddenly as though i had advanced the throttles on one of the large uh, jets that i used to fly i slipped very rapidly into that tunnel and when i say rapidly i'm talking speeds of no less than mach 1 in my estimation and when i entered the tunnel it was clouds but they were golden color and there was this beautiful light that came from the clouds and the speed was tremendous and here's the uh, here's the strange thing of course we've all driven with our car windows open or or water skied or whatever you do and you feel the wind on your face and you're here blowing in the wind mm-hmm. and, and the sound of of, no, of air rushing by absolute silence and i was terrified mm-hmm. no airplane and i'm flying <laughs> But the the speed that I went through, I had the feeling I was covering immense distances. And yet I could make out at the end of this tunnel, as, as distant as it was, um, a, an even more brilliant golden light. And in trying to describe this flight through the tunnel, um, I was speaking in Baltimore one night and trying to describe the sense of speed. And there was a young man in the front pew, and he said, sounds like the opening of the, of the television show Star Trek to me. <laughs> when the stars, yes. they hit warp speed, that Dudley, and yes. the stars stream by. Yes. And, that's the, and that was the perfect description. Mm-hmm. The stars were streaming by me, and yet this tunnel existed. I was within the tunnel, but could see the stars stream by me. And there are moments when I, when I, there are times when I think it was endless. There are times when it seems instantaneous. It's a strange dichotomy, but I, I suppose rather rapidly because the speed began to decelerate. I had nothing to do with it. Um, and I came upward and I realized I'm facing a portal, but it's covered in mist. I'm hesitant to step through into the mist because I don't know what waits for me. I put my right foot into the mist and I feel something solid underneath. And so I, I muster the courage to put my other foot through and I look down, the mist begins to clear. And I realize, Dudley, I'm standing on the most incredibly beautiful green grass I have ever seen. Every blade of grass, perfection, and as I gently moved my foot, light rippled out. Wow. And so I, 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 the mist cleared even more. I look up, and the vista that revealed itself, vast mountains in the distance, uh, beautiful sky, brightly lit, a deeper blue than here, but no sun, nor moon, nor stars. You're listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We depend on the generous gifts of our listener to produce this program. 
You can help reach millions of folks with the sure reality of the message of Jesus by becoming a Sure Reality Vision Partner. To partner with us, please visit the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. If you've just joined us, a hearty hello. Welcome to The Reality. It's Dudley Anderson here today and I'm talking to Jim Woodford. If you have any questions or you'd like some prayer, I would love to hear from you. Write to me, dudley at surereality.net. Email me, dudley at surereality.net. Jim had an NDE experience, that is a near-death experience. Jim was dead for 11 hours, during which time he experienced a vision of heaven and of hell. However, just before he died, Jim called out to God, God, forgive me, the first of six words that changed his life forever. He described how at the point of death his spirit left his body and he was transported to heaven. Here he experienced beauty and peace like none other. But then his vision changed and Jim found himself facing the internal suffering of hell. Let's find out more. Now, as I told you, I had never lived the life of a Christian. I had never... I never, I never knew that it said that in the Bible. In heaven, there is no moon, nor nor, nor stars, mm-hmm. nor, nor sun, nor stars. Uh, this this beautiful light that resembles sunlight. And suddenly, I saw everything behind me, ahead of me, and and as I looked at this beautiful vista, I turned my head just slightly to the left, and then the strangest thing occurred. It was as though Dudley, uh, a line had been drawn directly in front of my vision. And the vista changed dramatically. So I went from that beautiful flower-covered fields full of flowers and verdant grasses and colors that do not exist on earth, a place where color has sound and sound has color. And as I moved my eyes from that beautiful vista, it went from beautiful green grass to scorched black and then dropped off in a deep crevasse on the left. There's a sense of evil and foreboding. Look, I don't want your listeners to think that I was an evil person. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. But I did not have God in my life. Mm -hmm. And I believe with all my heart that God gave me one last chance. The saddest words in any language are the words, too late. And so here I am looking at this, and I slowly made my way over to this crevasse, and I'm looking down into a deep canyon, and at the bottom of that canyon, in the darkness, was a faint flicker of a red light, and there was a tremendous feeling of, uh, first of all, a stench that would, that was horrific, a smell of... Of, of, of things long dead. And I've come to call it the odor of despair. And then to my astonishment, I realized there was movement and coming through those doors, and they were tall, was the most hideous creature you can imagine. So as I'm watching this thing come out and I began to hear something else, I began to hear screaming. The look of hatred, Dudley, in its eyes. The look of pure hatred. Not just for me. For all of mankind. Was palpable. This creature wanted me. And suddenly, 
it began to rapidly scramble up the side of that pit, and the, the side was like coal, like anthracite, shiny and dark. As it came up toward me, I heard screaming, and I thought it was the creature screaming, but then I realized the screaming was coming from within the body of that creature, but it was not of the creature. It was as though this creature, this demon, had consumed the souls, and the souls were trapped forever inside and now screaming for help, for release. But it is now too late. Mm. And suddenly it reared up out of the pit, and I remember falling backwards on my elbows, and it started to lumber toward me. And I'm scrambling backwards on my elbows. In the dark of the night, I hear the sound of this demon's saliva dripping on the ground in front of me mm. as it waited to consume me. Then it spoke my name. Dudley, this thing knew me. My God, I'd never killed anyone. I, was, I wasn't a bad person, I, but I wasn't a good person. And I'll tell you something. I live my life every day now to do acts of kindness. They're not grandiose. But they are pure acts of kindness because I'm determined. If God, When I go back again, Jesus reads the book of my life. He's going to need three angels and a forklift to open it. <laughs> so, Jim, what an experience. Goodness me. Where was, where was Jesus in all of this? Did he rescue you? Yes. Remember at the beginning, I said there were six words, and the first three were, I, I cried in the truck, God, forgive me. Yes. So with this creature looming over me, I, I to keep my sanity, I turned my back to it. I raised my ha hands to the sky, and I cried out the next three words, God, help me. Instantaneously, Dudley, three points of light appeared. They took form. They were guardian angels. A light came from one of them, went over my shoulder blade, and struck the creature behind me. I turned in time to see it shriek and scream and scramble down that hole like a rat running for cover. Uh -huh. Darkness and evil cannot exist in the light of God. They, they walked me through paradise and, and at the same time answered every question I could think of and, and, and gave me such insights. I have... In addition to the book that I've published, I have five journals of memories of conversations with the guardians. But let me get to this. But then I saw one of the guardians uh, about 15 feet away from me on a small rise. And for the first time, I noticed another, another magnificent being. And there was like a golden light flowed off this being, and I realized that as as the light touched me, it was none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mm. Someone that, in my arrogance, I had thought was just some Jewish legend. Mm. Mm. And yet here I am looking at this being, and he turned and looked at me. And it was then that he was reading the book of my life. Wow. And I dropped to my knees, and, and when that golden light flowed around me because it behaved like slow-moving golden water, but it was light deadly. And I became filled with this grace and uh, the presence of the Son of God. Wow. 
and I had to get closer. I had to, I had, I just wanted to touch the hem of his garment, but he held his hand up in a dis, in a very distinctive way, uh, palm out toward me, indicating for me to stop, to not come any closer, and. Uh, I'm persistent of nothing else, but I tried to crawl on my hands and knees toward him, and he smiled but held his hand up. And so I sat there in amazement, and then he smiled at me and looked at me with those beautiful golden green eyes. And Dudley, in those eyes, I, I saw such disappointment for mankind who have ignored his father's message. I saw such but I also saw such love and forgiveness for all of us and for me, for the way I had lived my life. And that was the moment, you know, that that uh, I realized that whatever was going to happen, I was his forever. This was this was the moment. And then he 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 leaned toward me and he kept his hand in in the air. And these are the words that he wants you and your listeners to hear. He knew my name. He said, James, my son, this is not yet your time. Go back and tell your brothers and sisters of the wonders we have shown you. And then his right hand came down and rested on his left. And then the full enormity of it struck me, Dudley. I realized I was not being allowed to stay, and I began to plead. I began to beg. I began to cry. Please don't send me back. Please don't send me back. And suddenly, two guardians picked me up and uh, turned me around, and, and I'm in a dark tunnel. And this time it's not beautiful. I feel pain. I hear rushing water. And I seem to be going at tremendous um, speed downhill. Uh, and, and uh, of course, I found this out later. I didn't realize uh, until, you know, I was, I got back and was able to talk to Lorraine about what had happened while I was dead. And, and, and she said, the nurses ran out and got her and said, Mrs. Woodford, come quick, come quick. And she ran into the room, and I'm fighting against, you know, I have a trach in, and all my organs had shut down. Mm. So I was a strange color of purple, and and I was um, trying to acclimate from the beauty of heaven to this hospital room. <laughs> and she climbed up on bed, and she was kissing me, and... and uh, I, of all the things I could have told my wife about heaven, I looked into her pretty face and I said, Lorraine, Lorraine, I saw Jesus, and Jesus has horses. <laughs> and in the interest of time, I didn't go into how important horses have been in my life, yeah, uh, yeah, all yeah. my life since I was a child and Amazing. so on. But anyway, all traces of the disease that killed me are gone. Wow, that's amazing. Praise I God. I mean, you know, I'm 75, I've got all the aches and pains, but I ride my horses every day. <laughs> Jim, so, that's amazing. Yeah. 
Jim, what an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today on The Reality. I encourage our listener to uh, to seek Jesus and to know the promise of eternal life. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that, of course, is the devil. But Jesus came to give us abundant life. Jim Woodford, thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality. What an incredible story. And our thanks to Jim Woodford today for sharing his story with us on The Reality. Once again, Jim's book is entitled Heaven, An Unexpected Journey on Amazon and where books are sold. You've been listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson. Just to say, if you've heard anything today and you have some questions, I would love to hear from you. If anything we've spoken about has just touched a chord in your heart, write to me by email, dudley at surereality.net. Email me, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. Please find out more at our website, surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, till next time, you keep your eyes on Jesus, and God bless you. Music